We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is going on, IB Nation? It is Wednesday. There is 10 days, count them, baby, 10 days until Notre Dame finally kicks off the 2023 season. And Brian said he wanted to do a prediction show, and I said, you need to figure out how I can be on it too. Because (laughs) (laughs) this is one of my favorite shows of the year. We always have a blast doing it together. And uh, so here we are. We're going to do our prediction show. We're going to have a lot of fun. For those of you that are on the message board, uh, I believe it just dropped, right, Brian? Yeah, that's actually the reason we're a little bit late yeah. started is because I was finishing up my practice report from today yes. because uh, it was a really good session. I've been, cr- I got home, I cut up the podcast from earlier. I then had a meeting with Blue Wire, which I'm Ooh. really excited about something they've got going on at Blue Wire that we'll talk about next week. Then I had to write the practice report and set the show. And now we've got this show. So I have been busy. But it was worth it because I thought the receivers had a really good day today. It was actually cool, Vince. We got to see like a bunch of RVA, uh, routes versus air. Sorry. Really? Uh, so we got to see like some route combinations with the quarterbacks and receivers. We got to see some one-on-ones, some red zone one-on-ones between the receivers and DBs. And so I'm what I did today because I didn't have Vince to chart for me normally. So I was actually talking to myself, like what I was seeing, explain what I was seeing. And so I was listening to it. So I was playing that. And Vince was like waiting on me to get the show. And and I said, uh, yeah, I published it. I said, you know, the receivers had a really good day. And he goes, it sounds like it. Cause he's listening to me talk about like, man, what a great <laughs> route The what, you know, Merriweather beat Morrison off the line, used a great stutter move, beat him inside for a touchdown. It was just some really cool stuff like that. By the way, that actually happened. So you want to go read the practice report. It's on the message board. So right now that's uh, I'll put it out on the regular site later, but right now that is a message board only thing, but yeah, Vince, man. Really good practice today. Our last practice of all camp, man. So it was really nice to, yeah, to end true. it with all the complaining about the receivers. It was nice to end it with the receivers playing really well. I mean, Tobias had a really good catch. Dion awesome. had a great catch against Clarence Thomas for a touchdown. Jade Thomas ran a great route. Ball was off. Jordan Faison absolutely obliterated Ramon Henderson for a touchdown. Would have been a touchdown, but the ball was off target. Uh, really good session from the receivers That's today. Awesome. So I was, was happy to see that. Uh, yeah, man. So we're, we got to see the, who the kick returners were today. So that okay. was really good to see that's in there too. And then Zeke Carell was out there today, Vince. Uh, he didn't practice today, but he was in pads and he had his ankle okay. taped up. So that was a really good sign. Good. Uh, good, good, well, good. Man. So 
And there's a lot of stuff going on today, guys. But this <laughs> is the this is our favorite show. And, and Vince, you and I were talking about it because, I mean, this is just something we've always done together. And I was like, you know, love Ryan, love Sean Styers. Those are my guys. But, you know, when you're doing a prediction show, you got to do it with the OG. You got to right? throw it back. Yes, yeah, is how we had to make it happen. So we're going to talk about a lot of stuff today, Vince. A lot of different fun stuff. It's going to be a good show. It's not going to be your typical hour, hour and 20 hour long uh, night show. Right. This is going to be a, more of a traditional IB big show type of right. thing. This is just so just, we'll do a mailbag afterwards, all that kind of stuff. It's IB after, after dark. dark. Yeah, although it's well, not quite almost. dark. By the time the show is yeah, over, it's dark. Yeah, that's, that's a fair point. It's a fair point. I do have a bedtime, but it doesn't work. matter. It's IB Nation. So here we go. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're stressed about buying tickets or doing some last-minute ticket hunting to college football games, concerts, comedy shows, your favorite activities, Game Time is the place for you. They take the stress out of buying tickets. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theaters near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball games, concerts, comedy shows, theaters, and more. The Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section or and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code IRISH for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code IRISH for $20 off. Download the Game Time app today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. That's gametime.co. We're gonna we're just gonna go through. We got all kinds of different topics that we're gonna hit. Bold predictions, you know, MVPs, all of that kind of stuff. We're just gonna go right down the list. We're gonna have some fun. I haven't seen Brian's list. I just shared my list with him. And so we don't really know what each other is going to say. And uh, I'm interested it to see how close they 
Yeah, 100%. That's normally how we'll do it. And and I 100%. definitely didn't look at his bold predictions because I want that to be more fun. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, th- Those were a, a lot more fun. So, uh, and we always yes. have some fun with those. Absolutely. So, so let's, let's kick this thing off, yeah. Brian. Our overall kind of expectations of 2023. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, what are we expecting from this team? Then we'll get deeper into yeah. it, you know, individually, but like overall, like what's our ceiling, what's our floor right. for the season moving forward. That's really the thing for me, Vince. And, and, and when I look at this football team and you look at the record and you look at being in year two of the Marcus Freeman tenure, year two of the Al Golden uh, tenure on defense, I know they have a new offensive coordinator, but as I've reminded people the last time Notre Dame played for a national or played it, made it the college football playoff, they had a first time coordinator uh, on offense. The last, the first time they played in a, in the college football playoff, they had a first-time defensive coordinator uh, as their defensive coordinator that season. So, I, you know, look, if you got the chops, you got the chops, right? And we're going to find 100%. out whether or not Jared Parker has the chops. But at the end of the day, also, they have the talent. And, and sometimes talent is got to be enough to get you there. You, you can't keep blaming everything on something, right? You've got to make it happen. And so we're going to find out what this team is capable of. But, you know, when I talk about the ceiling, I mean, the ceiling for Notre Dame should always be national championship in theory. Correct. You know, but I think this is a team that has the capability if they can catch a couple breaks. I do mm-hmm. think Notre Dame's talent is still such that they do need to catch some breaks. A break could mean something like, hey, a tipped ball in the championship game results in an interception or, you know, in the semifinal game, something like that. Like you need to catch some breaks. Good health at the mm-hmm. most important positions is a is a is a break you want to catch when you're a team like Notre Dame. They're not a team, Vince, that can just go out there and out talent people week after week after week. Sure. in the postseason, right? I think they can do it for most weeks in the regular season, but not even not even every single week, but close enough to where, hey, you may beat us in a couple areas. We can beat you in a couple areas. Now let's go get the job done. Right, And then you get to the postseason, they're going to have to outcoach and outplay some people. And I think that's a big part of it. But this is, the to me, the best chance that Notre Dame has had to be that kind of team since I've been covering the team when you look at where Notre Dame is, but also when you look at what the other teams are, because that's part of it too. If there was an LSU 20, if I knew that there was an LSU 2019 team out there, I'd say, look, man, I hope you can get to the playoff and not have to play that team in the first round. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cause Notre Dame's just not there yet. Right. For sure. Right. If we're being honest, but are they close enough to where if they can catch some breaks, they can go out there and be that team. I think they are. That's the ceiling. And so it's not just a, well, you're Notre Dame, championship's always the goal. That's true, but you're not always a championship football team. Agreed. And reality of it. I think this team can be. Sure. And and I think that you make a good point in that, okay, not only are we looking at Notre Dame, but we're also looking at the landscape of college football, right? I mean, if you look at all of the upper echelon teams – the vast majority of them are all starting a new quarterback, for example. And Vince, the other part is, is, is the quarterbacks a lot of those teams are starting are not the guys from the past, right? And we've talked about this, and this is no disrespect to Ian Book. If, if, if I didn't have the feeling I had about Ian Book and I accepted that Ian Book was who what most Notre Dame fans say Ian Book was, right? You have to admit that when you get to the playoff of 2018 and it's Ian Book, Kyler Murray, Trevor Lawrence – and Tua Tungvaloa, one of these things isn't like the others. Sure. Right? Two years later, Ian Book versus Trevor Lawrence, Mac Jones, and Justin Fields. Again, one of these things is not like the others. Right? Well, when you look at it this year, if it's the same teams, 
I'm sorry. I'm taking Sam Hartman over Cade Klubnik right now. Now, maybe in two years, Cade Klubnik might be sure. a better player, but he's not going to be in my – shouldn't be anyway this year. I'm not taking Carson Beck over Sam Hartman. I'm not taking Tyler Buckner or Ty Simpson or Jalen Milrow over Sam Hartman. I'm not taking Kyle McCord or Devin Brown over Sam Hartman, right? So it's just one of those unique years, Vince, exactly. where there's not the big-time quarterbacks that you you have in, in other seasons. I mean, Absolutely. You know, it's, it kind of reminds me of like the 2017 season. Well, you had, you, had a, you had Jalen Hurts, who was a sophomore that year. He ends up getting benched in the title game for freshman Tua Tungvaloa. Good players, but not their peaks, not what they would eventually become. You had Kelly Bryant at Clemson. You had Baker Mayfield at Oklahoma, who was legit. And then you had Jake Fromm as a true freshman at Georgia. You just didn't have those big names. Like in 2019, it's Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, Joe Burrow, and now senior Jalen Hurts. Fifth-year senior Jalen Hurts, right? Like there just isn't that this year as much. Now, it could be if you've got like, you know, USC's in the playoff and, and you know, you look at a couple other teams, if they're in the playoff, maybe. Sure. But the reality is, is the team that has the best chance to have that kind of quarterback in the net, in the college football playoff, you get in the regular season at your place. You can handle your business already there. Right. And so it just kind of it, it just kind of shakes out that way where if some again, if you catch some breaks. Now I'm well, not predicting they're gonna win the national yeah. championship right now. If I was gonna do that, we'd be doing it later in the show. But I think those are reasons why I have a little bit more optimism maybe than some other people because sure. they don't have to get through that type of player with the kind of teams they had. That's mm-hmm. the difference between Caleb Williams and what Clemson was in twenty eighteen. If Caleb Williams had Clemson's twenty eighteen defense. Just hand him the trophy now, right? Like, I mean, you might as well just give him the ring and, and do whatever you need to do, right? Like, it'd be hard to beat that, but that's sure. not who they are. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and, and, that, and that's where that, I'm that's, coming from. That's 100% why I'm confident that – like, I, I'm, I'm not used to sitting here as a Notre Dame analyst, as a Notre Dame fan, you know, feeling like – gosh, I think I've got the best quarterback in the room. Like that doesn't, <laughs> right. like I haven't felt that in a really right. long time. And he's got weapons around him, obviously, that he can elevate and he can right. do all of these different things. We're, you know, we're, we're bullish on the offensive line. We're bullish on the, you know, the running backs. I mean, this can be a very productive offense, right? And then you throw in the defense without Golden year two, returning a ton of talent, uh, you know, in that defense, all of those things, are kind of lining up, and then you throw on top of the fire Sam Hartman. I mean, a sixth-year senior who is already in college football history books. You know what I mean? He's top 20 in yards and touchdowns. I mean, that's that's saying something. And so you and I have been screaming from the mountaintop. Notre Dame has been a quarterback away for so long. Multiple teams have been that way. Multiple times that that's been the case, right? And, I mean, 2018, for example – if not, if you at the very very simply, if you have Sam Hartman, sixty year Sam Hartman, running that offense for Notre Dame, I think they win that game. They got a really good shot at it, right? So I feel very good about Notre Dame's prospects because they have Sam Hartman, right, and because of the talent that's around them. But I will say this also: Sam Hartman is also not Trevor Lawrence. He's Absolutely. not Joe Burrow. He's not Justin Fields. He's not Kyler Murray. That's the other part of it, right? The thing is, though, is he doesn't need to be this year. He just needs to be 
the best he can be, right? He could maybe be Baker Mayfield, right? It's a little bit different deal where Baker was more of a, he executed that system at an incredibly high level where sure. it was like Tyler was just a freak, you know what I mean? Freak talent. Some of these other guys were also freak talents. And, and so uh, that's, but that's where the other parts of the team have to continue to get better. And, and it's the supporting cast along with the better quarterback potentially that has us excited about this team. But this is also arguably the most difficult schedule Notre Dame has had since 2017 as well. You know, that year you had to play Oklahoma or you had to play Georgia that year, who was ended up being the national runners up. You had to play USC that season, which was 11 and win team. You had to play Miami. That was a 10 plus win team. Stanford was still good back then. Michigan state was a 10 win top 15 football team back then. So, I mean, you just, NC state was a nine win uh, top 25 team. This season reminds me a lot of that. Might actually be a little bit more top heavy, even than right. that season's team, team was, because we didn't know that Georgia was going to be that going into the season. They were coming off of an eight and five year. It was year two of Kirby Smart. You know, and, and again, you want to talk about comparisons. Well, you know, it's year two is expecting a little too well. You know, Georgia went eight and five in Kirby Smart's first year, and then was in the title game the next year. Sure. So you know, why shouldn't I expect that at Notre Dame? Right. Well, and that's the, that's the other part of it, right? I mean, it, it's Notre Dame's schedule. They, I, I don't, I, I honestly like we we've talked a, a bunch about okay, they're thirteenth in the AP, they're here, they're there, they're whatever. Honestly, I think they're they should be between eight and twelve. But at the same time, I don't care yeah. because Thir- thirteen was my floor for where they should be ranked. So I'm I'm okay yeah. with both of those rankings. They still have a lot to prove, I, and and that's the thing. Yeah. They have everything in front of them to prove who they are. And that's, in my opinion, that's perfect. That's well, exactly where you. And that's be. the big thing right there, Vince. Is is we're we're going to find out a lot about Marcus Freeman this year. Now, oh, I'm sure. not saying title game or bust for Freeman. If he doesn't get him to the title game, he's a bust. That's what I mean by that. I'm not saying right. that. But if he is the coach that we think he is or hope that he is, it's probably more hope he is right now. Then yeah, we should see a big jump, and that's where I think people are missing the boat. And I've heard people say, "Well, you know, we've never seen a second-year coach make that kind of jump who's never been a head coach before." Yeah, we have. We literally just saw it. We saw Kirby Kirby Smart, Smart, who had never been a head coach before at any level. You know, he was a defensive coordinator for a few years. He was a little bit older as a football coach at the time. He was about about four years older than Marcus Freeman was at the time. You know, but he went out that season and and went from eight and five in year one. Right. So, I mean, you, you look at Kirby Smart's first season at Georgia, 2016, they go eight and five. They lose at Ole Miss by 31. They lose a home game to Tennessee. They lost at home to Vanderbilt. OK, not James Franklin Vanderbilt, Derek Mason Vanderbilt. They <laughs> lost at home. Then they lost by two touchdowns at Florida or not at Florida, but in that, you know, the the. The, the the what's it the world's biggest cocktail party right against Florida and Jacksonville is what they call it and then they lost at home to Georgia Tech right I mean so uh, Paul they lost to Paul Johnson so you, you lost five games that first year three at home to Tennessee Vanderbilt and Georgia Tech and the next year he goes out and they go to the national championship game play for a national championship beat Notre Dame at Notre Dame Beat Mississippi State, a ranked Mississippi State yeah. team by 28. Got payback against Tennessee that year, 41 to nothing at Tennessee. Got payback against Vanderbilt at Vanderbilt, 45 to 14. You know, beat Florida, who beat him the year before by two touchdowns, 42 to 7. Beat Georgia Tech, who beat him the year before, 38 to 7. Right. And, and then they go play for the, na- the national championship that season. And then here's another example 
Okay. Cause I always say the exceptions don't, shouldn't prove the rule. Well, if there's only one time that's happened, then, you know, you, you, you can't point to, I'll sure. give you another example. And there's more I could give you uh, Bob Stoops, never been a head coach before, right. Takes over to Oklahoma in, uh, in, in 1999, he's 39 years old, just a slightly older than Marcus Freeman goes seven and five in his first season. They lost to Bob Davey and Notre Dame. Okay. They lost to Texas by 10. They lost to Colorado by 14. They lost to Texas Tech by 10. And they lost to Ole Miss in a bowl game. Goes out the next year in 2000, his second year, they go undefeated. Yeah. They beat Texas 63 to 14. <laughs> right. Let, let me remind you of the score the year before Texas 38, Oklahoma 28, 10 point win. The next year, Texas 63, Oklahoma 14. They go at uh, Kansas, number two, Kansas State, win 41-31. Play number one, Nebraska at home, beat them 31-14. to Go at Texas A&M, team that, you know, that they, play, I think, played the year before, beat them 35-31. Play Texas Tech at home. Now, this is, if you remember, uh, this this was a pretty good Mike Texas era, Mike or Texas Tech era. It was a Mike Leach era. When it's 27-13 and you beat K-State again in the Big 12 title game, and then you play number three Florida State for the national championship and you beat them, the defending national champion Florida State team, you go 12-0, 13-0, you win a national championship. Okay, so if you got the chops, you got the chops. And those teams, both of those teams were worse in year one than Notre Dame was last season. Mm-hmm. Went 9-4, and 8-5 and five and 7-5 and five, their first two seasons. So is it is it a thing where am I saying – Okay, well, Freeman, you better do that too, or you're a bump. No, what I'm saying is, is this is where I kind of get excited, but also where I say, if Marcus Freeman is who we think he is, there should be a jump this season. Does right. that mean all the way to national title? Uh, I'm not ready to go there because Oklahoma brought in some JUCOs in 2000, sure. and they did some things that Notre Dame wasn't able to do. But I'm like, but is that a whole lot different than Notre Dame being able to hit the transfer portal market to get? you know, Sam Hartman and Thomas Harper and Javante Jean-Baptiste and some of these other guys. Uh, I don't think that it necessarily is. So I do think we should be able to say, hey, it is okay to expect a big jump in year two. Why not? Mm-hmm. Why, why do we have to always accept that it's just, we're just not good enough. And I've heard a lot of that lately. And I think part of it is people just trying to, uh, to get into situation Vince, where like, they just don't want to set themselves up to be let down. But I'm like, now is the time to be excited, right? Absolutely. Now is exactly the time to be excited. And if Marcus Freeman is who we think he is, we're going to see big progress this year. Is that going to be enough for a championship? I don't know. But we should definitely see a much better football team. The floor ties into this, Vince. If Marcus Freeman is who we think he is, then 10-2 and should be the floor. Anything worse than that makes me say, you know, because that means what? You went one and two against the big three, which means no improvement. And you stubbed your toe against somebody else that you shouldn't stub your toe against. I'm sorry. That's that's not – that's not, you know, that barring just catastrophic injuries throughout the year. That's just to me, just, I'm sorry. That's, that's not enough of a jump if he is who I think he is. So I may right. have some like, well, I'm not ready to, I'm not ready to throw in the towel yet. Cause that'd be silly to just throw in the towel in year two, but it would be more of like a, well, he's got some stuff to prove to me now, like really right. has to prove right. to me now. Cause it's right. the first time I would ever have some, well, maybe he's not who I thought he was, Sure, you know? Uh, but 10 and two to me is uh, it's a, maybe a little bit of a, well, you know, I wish they could have been better, but it's the jump that you need to, especially if it's followed by a, a major bowl. Cause 10 and two gets Notre Dame into a major bowl game. Absolutely. And if they can then win that, you're like, you know what? Right. They're on their way. It didn't yeah. end the way I'd hoped that it would end, 
but they're on their way. But I love the momentum moving forward. Yeah, I mean, exactly. the needle is still pointing up. Exactly. You know you what I mean? You get a softer and, schedule in 2024, and yeah, you're going to lose some guys. But now all of a sudden, Notre Dame becomes a much more attractive portal option for teams. Right. Hey, look what Sam Hartman did. You know, look mm-hmm. what look what Thomas Harper did. Look what Javante, Javante Jean-Baptiste went from a backup at Ohio State to part of a really good team at Notre Dame. Now all of a sudden, mm-hmm. you're able to get those reinforcements next year through the portal the way that, that they did this season. So it just builds that momentum, like you said, and then you bring in a second straight big-time recruiting class, and you start to feel better about the direction of the program. Yes. So to me, that's why I say 10-2 and two with a bowl win, to me, should really be you know, where Notre Dame Notre Dame should be this year, minimum 10-2 and two in the regular season. And, and, and avoid the really bad losses, meaning like a blowout loss, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that kind of thing. A, a, a loss to a team that you just shouldn't lose to. How the heck did you look back at the end of the season and you're 10 and 2 and you're like, how the heck did they freaking lose to Navy or Central Michigan or Pitt or something like that? And you're like, man, if only. But right. that if only still is like because they're playing so well in November that you're like, man, if they just want to have that September stub your toe, this be a dangerous football team. If it's something like that, I look back at the end of the year and say, yeah, they took a big step this year. It's not as sure. big as I wanted it, but they took a big step this year. And you start getting, you know, it solidifies it because I think that's where a lot of people are, Vince, right? Is I'm excited about the season, but because of the uncertainty, new quarterback, second year coach, and all that, there's still a little bit of a I just don't know who he is yet. Sure. Kind of thing. And that's what's I mean, because I am so optimistic about Coach Freeman. Right. I am optimistic, and I, but I want to see it. Like somebody asked on Twitter today, what are you most excited about? Uh, Jill Savage asked this on Twitter. What are you most excited about this year? And my response was kind of, and I kept it more big picture, but it's like, we've done all the talk and now it's like, we're going to find out what, you know, what, what this really is. Yeah. And I'm excited to see what I I hope that what we've seen in practice can translate onto Saturdays. Cause if it can, man, this team is going to be really fun to watch. Well, I'm, I I hope I, I am not going to get in trouble for this, but you know, you and I go to practice obviously together all the time. And, you know, we, we always hang out together and we're watching stuff together and, and the whole thing. And, you know, we're, we're close to when Marcus Freeman's talking to the team at the beginning and we can hear what he's talking about. And, and on more than one occasion, you've leaned over to me and, and, and you've said, man, I hope he's who we think he is. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, cause like because, you hear him talking, Vince, and it's like, I want to throw my helmet on yes, and put my shoulder pads yes. on and go out and play. Whereas with, the previous coach was always like, this okay. is so it's planned like, okay. and telegraphed. It's like, okay. And, and yeah. It's like whatever, and right. that's not a shot at the other coach. It's a freaking speech in practice. Like I don't expect the coach absolutely, to make it work. but when a coach can do that, you're like, man, yeah, it's exactly. A Tuesday afternoon, and this guy has me want to put pads <laughs> on my fat butt and go out there and play football for the three reps before I die. You yes. know what I mean? Well, and that's yeah. and that's the thing. It's like we believe that Marcus Freeman is the right guy for right. this job, and we believe that he's doing things the right way. But now we have to see it throughout the season. You know what I mean? And that's yeah. you know there. You could you could take a negative spin to last year and the way that they lost to Stanford and the way that they lost to Marshall and how those games went down, where they were in the schedule, you know, all of those different things, you know, like, oh, well, they were too focused on Ohio State and then they had a huge letdown after, you know, all, sure. and all of those things are true. Right. I, I get it, but I tend to look at the positives and how the season finished and right. what they've done in the offseason and the coaching hires that we think are really good and all of those things, but it has to translate to wins. I mean, and right. that's why when we talk about the floor and we talk about the ceiling and all of those things, I'm right with you. Like right now, when I say 10 and two for the 23 season, after everything that we've talked about throughout the off season, 
you know, throughout last season, to be honest with you, with the, the transfer portal, all of those, just all of those things. I say 10 and two, and it kind of feels icky, like coming out of my mouth a, a little yeah, bit, because I, I feel like this team from a is fan better standpoint, than, especially. Yeah. yeah. For when sure. you look at it from a fan standpoint, Vince, I definitely understand where you're coming from. Uh, right. I am. I just, for me, there's enough of the analyst hat still in, in me sure. to where you start to say, yes, everything you said is true, but this is still a really tough schedule. Oh, it is. There's a lot of things they have to do that we haven't seen this program do in a very long time. And you, you start to kind of have a little bit of that, that, that BK PTSD that you start creating. Well, maybe they're just not as talented as we sure. thought, or maybe they're not, you know, maybe this isn't, or maybe that is. And then you hear enough negativity that you're like, okay, am I, am I wrong here? Am I the one that's off base here? Right, right, right. So right. I think there's at least enough of it. And there's also the realization that as much as I think this roster has come a long way, it's still not where it needs to be. It's not a proven roster though. Right. And, and, I mean, and they still yeah. don't have like the edge players that are like the elite, like, wow. You know, I mean, they got sure. guys that could be good players, good enough to, to, to go out and compete for champions championship but not where it's like okay i know that guy's going to go out there and take over the usc game or the ohio state game right? right we don't know that yet you know maybe riley mills can become that guy but we don't know that yet there's just enough unknowns to where i have to tamp down expectations because notre dame isn't bama yet they're not georgia yet they're not that team where they've got the proven track record where you can say this should be the expectation and anything short of that is a failure Right. Right. Agreed. That's my thing. They're just not there yet where that should be. Yeah, no, I get that. I, I, I totally get where you're coming from. And uh, I, but I mean, 10 and two is my, is my floor. And I, I think, and I'm talking regular season, obviously, cause it's 12 games. So 10 and two, so 10 wins if we're ever talking wins and, but, but it would, it, there would have to be, have to be a win in a bowl game because I agree with you that 10 and two gets you into a new year six it will i I think it gets you into a a big time bowl game you gotta win it you have to win it for me to feel any kind of good going into the offseason because if they go 10 and 2 whatever those two losses are whether it's one to the big boys and maybe a stub your toe or whatever if you lose that bowl game it's a completely different feeling going into the offseason even with the great class they were about to sign in 24 all of that it's like, oh man. Can I throw out a potential step. caveat that I want you to respond to, Vince? Okay. I would say that I agree with you in theory. Okay. With one exception. If for some reason they're playing Georgia in a bowl game that's and not it's a, a college football playoff, n- knockout, n- knockdown, drag yeah. out, 60 minute, back and forth great game that georgia wins on a late field goal i'll still be like you know man you gotta start winning those games right but i'll still feel like they took a big step okay you know because in order to get there you would have had to have beat at least one of clemson and ohio state to get there oh sure so you could say hey look we went 10 and 3 we went toe-to-toe with this team toe-to-toe with this team toe-to-toe with this team beat that team yeah we're closer than we were You'll still have a little bit of a, uh, you know, but I I don't know that I would say, like, to the point of what you were just saying. I think that would be the only exception. But if you go to a game like that and it's that type of game against Texas, I'm pissed, right? If it's that kind of game against Washington, I'm not happy. And that's no disrespect to those teams. Penn State, Michigan, I'm not happy. But those aren't powerhouses. Georgia or Bama, 
then maybe. Okay. Maybe. That would be yeah. the only exception that I could maybe get. Or it's a, maybe it's a rematch in a bowl game over somebody that you beat in the right. Let's say for somehow, I don't know how it would even happen, but you get a rematch in a bowl game against Clemson. Right. And you beat them at their place by a field goal, and then they beat you. you know, something, I don't know, Vince. I'm just trying to think of like maybe possible yeah. possible scenarios. I, but but that would be the exception. It would have to be like one of those two teams, and it'd have to be a knockdown drag out. But even right. then, as I'm saying it, I'm like, ah, still don't feel great yeah, about it. I, but I just wouldn't be as down about it as maybe sure as I would be if it was like a loss to, you know, Tennessee or something my, like that. My only pushback to Georgia, and I've got a pushback on my pushback, but like we've we Notre Dame has been toe to toe with Georgia in the past. Now that wasn't the Georgia that it is now. And, well, it was and, still and pretty I, good. It was the national runners exactly. Up. They were still the really good. It was a regular season game. Not a okay. The problem with here's the thing that people don't give Brian Kelly enough credit for. Actually, Brian Kelly's regular season losses to big teams were usually not blowouts. The Miami game was a little bit of an anomaly, and you had Stanford in 2010. The Stanford 2011 game was a two-touchdown game, but Notre Dame was competitive with an inferior team that game, right? The next year, they go out and beat Oklahoma on the road. They beat Stanford. More Florida State, they lost to Florida State, who was number one at the time, but they lost by four, should have won that game. Mm-hmm. A lot of their bad losses, like blowout losses, Clemson, he played them twice in the regular season, beat them once without all those guys, but you still did what you needed to do. And then the other one in 2015 was on the road. You had a chance to tie it with less than a minute to go, right? So it's been the postseason where the embarrassment has come. Yeah, true. Right? That's that's, that's what I'm saying, right? And and so it it would still be a baby step. It just yes. wouldn't be the step that we hope it would be. Is that fair? A yeah, fair that's fair. To that? I think that's fair because – Because your you point know, is sound, Vince. Hey, dude, you went down to Georgia and lost by six. Right. You had the ball with a minute there. to play the game, right? You had the ball to win. A regular season and a month of yeah. prepare is a different animal from where Notre Dame has been in the past. That's Absolutely. all I would say. I That I agree with wholeheartedly and – you could talk me into, depending on how that game goes, you could talk me into it being a step forward. Uh, but it's a baby step, Vince. But it's a baby that, step, That I will man. say. It's yeah, absolutely it's, a baby step. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. So I, if it's a 10-2 and two situation, I really expect a New Year's Six win at that point. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I just do. And then, I'm going to throw another caveat in there, Vince. Mm-hmm. You have to beat Ohio State in that scenario where I'm okay losing to Georgia. Yes. You can't that, lose. I, I will yeah. say that. If you lose right. to like – Let's say you get upset the next week by Duke, and then you lose to Clemson by a field goal in November, and then you, you know, okay, they're not there yet, but you beat Ohio State, you beat USC, right. you beat Clemson last year. You know what? Huge. They're getting closer. Yeah. It's a baby right. step, but it's still a step. Right. Uh, but here's the thing, though, Vince. If you go 10-2 and two, and you get into that game and you beat a Bama, you beat a Georgia, you beat a Tennessee, now all of a sudden it's like, okay. Right? So there are scenarios where Notre Dame is not a playoff team where they take a giant step towards the future. Yeah. Right? That. That's the reality of it. There is that scenario. So it's not championship or bust from the standpoint of did the program make a big step forward? Mm -hmm. Big picture, that's the truth. Now, from the Notre Dame standard, it's always championship or bust. Of course. But you have to be able to look at it from that way, which is a fair way, but also look at it as, okay, but where is the program headed? Yes, it didn't end the way that you wanted it to end, but – they took a big step this year. You look yeah. at the schedule they played. Look at who they beat. There's that opportunity. But, uh, you know, of course, right now, the, it's the time of the year where I want to see more than that, Vince. I want to see. Oh, yeah. You know, <laughs> I want to see the playoff well, game of the win. You know, that if, we, if we really want to, like, drill down into this, right, 
you know, if we're talking 10 and two, for example, but I see massive improvement from the offense and I see, you know what I mean? Like we, we see different kinds of game plans. We see different guys getting involved. We see these younger guys really taking steps forward. You know, a lot of production from maybe the freshman or first year players, you know, sophomore, redshirt freshman, those kind of guys. We really see those guys take a step. Then you could potentially convince me that they're moving in the right direction, right? And it just wasn't time for those guys to make the move to beat some of those other guys, the big guys, the big teams. So, you know, that if, if you really drill down and we're seeing a lot of growth and movement across the board on the roster, and then you're going to infuse the roster with this 24 class, that's really, really good. Okay, I could start to get on board with that. But I still, you know, nobody's going to convince me otherwise that 10 and 2 is the floor for the regular season. And that's, you know, we can yeah. we can argue semantics like, if like that one, actually happens. One of the questions but. was this, right, Vince? Somebody says, uh, isn't it a step forward if, for Coach Freeman if he wins all the games he should but loses to the big three? No, it's no, not. No, Because, look, I understand where he's coming from. Because, hey, look, last year – you did stub your toe, but to me in year two, you shouldn't be making the same mistakes you made in the first four five, six games of your, of your first season. Right. Because to me, yes, you did better on beating the teams you're supposed to, but like, that's, that's not the standard for Notre Dame. If you right. lose to all the, the big teams, then basically what you've done is you're, you're Brian Kelly. Right. And that's not what you were brought well, here to be. And he right? beat, like he beat a big boy last year. Exactly. He beat Clemson like, and he beat three the crap touchdowns. out of them. Exactly. And, if you don't beat any of the big three this time, that's a step backwards. Right. Because you didn't beat any of them. Correct. And he did Correct. before. So, right. Yes, but I, I understand where Tanner's coming from. Yes. The, the, I, I get that I was, part of it. But see, that's where the 10 and 2 t- comes from, Cameron, uh, Tanner, because if it's if it's 10 and 2, you go 1 and 2 against the big boys, they're competitive games, but then you beat all the teams you're supposed to beat. Okay, that's a step forward. Sure. That is. Uh, is it a big step forward? No, but it's a right. step forward. But it's got to finish with that bowl victory. So, so I'm sympathetic to where you're coming from, Tanner. But to me, for ten and two uh, to be considered a step forward, for the season to be considered a step forward, you've got to have the ten wins because that means you beat the team. You're supposed to beat the teams you're supposed to beat. Right. But like you don't get a pat on the back at Notre Dame for not losing to Marshall and Stanford not losing to Navy and Central Michigan and Tennessee State and Pitt, right? You don't get a pat on the back for that. That's what you're supposed to do. Well, you do if you're Brian Kelly. We pat him <laughs> He pats himself Sorry. on the back for that. Couldn't help. Uh, it can be a preview show if we don't take a couple little fun little jabs at the old coach. Uh, but, yeah, Vince, so that to me, just big picture, that's that's yeah. where we are with this football team. That should be the expectation. And so the why, so why does it matter that we set that expectation? Well, it matters because as we as we evaluate this football team through the course of the season, you know, the post-game shows and the pre-game shows and the predictions and all those kind of things, it's through the lens of that being the expectation. Right. And we're going to find out here if they can live up to that expectation. That's going to be the fun part of this whole thing. Right. And that's what I'm really looking forward to seeing. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. With Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketplace platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results fast. It's okay if you don't know much about marketing. Constant Contact's writing assistant tools and automation features help you craft messaging and say the right things at the right time. I use this to help write and send my email newsletters, and you should too. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. 
Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So do you want to jump into now with our season prediction, or do you want to jump into some more individual kind of awards? You know, let's ask the folks. Do you guys want to hear us first go through the season and kind of predict our records and and make sort of our Notre Dame prediction, then do the individual awards? Or do you guys want to hear the individual predictions first and then kind of climax with the overall team prediction? So we'll we'll let you all in the chat here respond real quick, Vince. Because we're also um, going to talk about who we think is going to be in the college football playoff. Yeah, and we'll do that at the end. You know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So because we finally we finally hammered in and through those. So <laughs> you know, because like of... that's that, that's kind of part of the fun of this, Vince, is is to kind of sit there and say, well, you know, what what are going to be, you know, let's lead to it a little bit. So uh, most people so far are going with team. Some are saying let it build. Uh, individual, it's, it's a good split here. Yeah, Vince. yeah it is. It's a, it's a good little split. Uh, yeah. It's a good little split here uh, as we kind of go through that. But uh, you know, the way that we had originally structured it was just do the season predictions first. But uh, I, I kind of feel like maybe, maybe uh, Vince, I'll let you decide, man. I'm mm-hmm. always making the decisions. I'm gonna let well, you decide how you want to go through. I it. think we should do the overall season at the end. Okay, uh, and let it build. Let it okay. build because then we do the season. Then we do like conference champions, college football playoff. Like those are the kind of the big. Yeah, ones. so we're gonna go individual stuff first, then the Notre Dame yeah. prediction, then playoff, yeah. and then okay. Yeah, I think so. All right, because I don't want to give anything away to where what our college football playoff might be. Okay. Just All right. Saying. Let's do it. So let's quickly roll right. through these events. Let's go uh, individual records, individual stuff first. So we're gonna go overall. Okay team mvp well if if notre dame is going to have the season that i think that they're going to have and 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 you also have to take a look at this from the lens of the outside world right and and it's not necessarily from a coaching standpoint i don't give a crap about the outside world well that's how i picked them okay (laughs) to me mvp is the it's going to be an offensive player if you're winning a bunch of games, it's going to be an offensive player, and it's going to be the person that people perceive to be the most important to make that offense tick. I went with Sam Hartman. It, that that well, was because because what's the thing? It's the most valuable. Correct. I don't believe Sam Hartman will be Notre Dame's best player this season, right? I mean, I think that's going to probably be Joe Alt. That's fair, right? It, it, but yeah, it's most value. It could you know Benjamin Morrison's probably a better player there. I can think of five or six guys that would be better players than him especially pro prospects and all that but it's about valuable right and i can't sit here and say i've already look here's the thing i've already said during the season or during this last couple weeks that i have notre dame in the college football playoff you already know that that's where i'm at right now we'll see where vince is at but i've already said that i spoiled that a little bit so we've always said notre dame's a quarterback short of making these type of runs well Mm -hmm. i don't think this team is capable of making that kind of run if sam hartman's not your mvp right so I just again, value is not me. most outstanding, right? That's most coming valuable. next. We're going to do those next, <laughs> right? right? Absolutely but valuable. Yeah. It's 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 got to be the quarterback, in my opinion. 
Yep, no doubt about it. I, it's he's the difference maker as far as where this team is at. You know what I mean? And and again, they've been a quarterback shy of doing some really great things. And look, they've made it to the college football playoff with subpar quarterback play. I mean, that, that's just well, those are just I, w- facts. I would argue. I would argue. I disagree with that in one regard because I think the best football Ian Book ever played was 2018. It was he was really good in 2018 until the playoff. Right. But I mean, look, in his eight starts in the regular season, that kid averaged over 300 passing yards a game and averaged like 8.9 yards per attempt. That's outstanding football. And he took an offense that was barely scoring over 20 points a game against Vanderbilt and Ball State. And immediately they scored, start, started scoring over 40 a game. Right. So I'll say that during the regular season, that is true. That that is not true. I think Ian Book played out. If Ian okay. Book would have played in the playoff game, the way he did in the regular season, that's a much more entertaining game. Sure. It's just that he regressed every year after that. So in yeah. 2020, I would agree with you. But in 2018, I, I got to give Ian his due. Ian was really good in 2018. I mean, again, you don't average 300 yards a right. game over eight starts against that schedule if you're not playing pretty good football. Right. So, and then they decided they decided RPOs were not part of the offense. And, which they ran in 2018. That's I know. That's what so I'm saying. Me nuts, man. Which is what – and that was yeah. in his wheelhouse of things that he was good at. You know, yeah. quick read, just boom. Right. It's, it's, it is what it is right now. Quick read, boom, get it out of your yeah. hands or keep it or hand it. Like, yeah, that's Ian's wheelhouse. Well, yeah. And, and I've seen people, somebody just said this in the chat as well, that the Northwestern game jacked him up. And I don't agree with that. I mean, look, he went out there the next week and threw for 292 yards against Syracuse the week after the injury. He went out against USC in the ramp for, and threw for 352 yards against USC. The throw he made to Chris Fink for a touchdown in the first half of that game was one of the best throws, if the best throw he ever made. So I, I think I think what Jack Dean book up was the playoff game, and he never really mentally recovered from that, and neither yeah. did Brian Kelly. But I don't think it was the rib injury that jacked him up because he averaged like 325 yards in the next two games out of that, and he did that, Vince, against the Northwestern team that, if, if people remember correctly, in that 2018 season, Northwestern ended up playing for the Big Ten Championship that season. Yeah. So, you know, that that's kind of my thing is that that was a team that was a pretty good football team. Went on the road to beat Iowa the next week. Almost beat Michigan earlier in the year. So I'm going to somewhat uh, push back on that. But your point about 2008-20 is absolutely correct. He was right. a, a an average quarterback that season. And in 2019, right. he was an average quarterback against anybody with a pulse. But in 2018, <laughs> Ian Book was a really good player. For Fair New enough. Year. Fair enough. I give yeah. credit where credit's due. I appreciate that. Yeah, my, my so who is your most outstanding player on all? Or, so we're going to talk about most outstanding, right? So yeah, I, it, it, you had top next. players, so I named a couple of different guys. And so are we just doing one guy? Because I can definitely yeah, narrow so it down. Like, and what I'd like to do is is yeah. um, for the most outstanding is is just to set a pre- uh, what it means is this is just the best player, the guy that has okay. the best season, not the most gotcha. talented player, the best pro prospect, gotcha. but who is the most out when you look at the season, like dude. That mm-hmm. guy was dominant, right? Like Eddie George won the Heisman in 95, but their most outstanding player was Orlando Pace. Right. He was never going to win a Heisman because he played offensive line. But <laughs> right. when you watch that team play, I'm sorry. I love Eddie George. He was a monster that year, but he was a monster because he was running behind Orlando Pace. Yeah. Who no, was still absolutely. the best offensive tackle, if not offensive lineman right. I've ever seen right. in my life in college football. Uh, Quinn Nelson, probably second. He was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it's, it's just most gotcha. outstanding. And, and that's okay. like, for me, you know, I, I thought about Audric Estime. I thought about making like a projection of a Chris Tyree. But at the end of the day, the best left tackle in college football yep. plays for Notre Dame. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and as I said, Sam Hartman's going to be MVP 
But when we watch this season, you know, Audric's going to put up his yards and this and that. But the most outstanding player, their best player, their most dominant player is my prediction is it's going to be Joe Walt. Yep. That's where I'm at. hundred percent. That's what I would have picked as well. I mean, it, it's, it's him. And then there's a, there's, there's a bit of a gap. And then there's a couple of other guys. Just Audric's probably next for me. Yeah, w- absolutely. Be, he's in the, he, you know, maybe Chris Tyree, Sam Hartman now starts getting in the conversation yep. after Alt. Yep. You know, and, and, and if we're projecting, I think Audric, Tyree yeah. can, there's an argument to be made for Chris Tyree and I, I've got him under another category, yeah. uh, you know, coming up. But yeah, I mean it's it's Joe Alt and everybody else. I mean that's that's the the be all end all. He's going to get drafted the highest next you know in April. You know he he is their best player, and it's great that they have him. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. Yeah, I'm agreed. very happy that he's suiting up in in the blue and gold. There's no doubt about that. So let's go defense. This one I think is also fairly cut and dry. <laughs> But I'm curious. He's going to get so ripped by all of you when he makes his pick. <laughs> what? Let me. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at. I'm looking at the. I I love your pick, Vince. It's 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 not it's not me. I I love your pick. At least how you have him ranked. <laughs> oh uh, yeah. I, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna give mine first. Yeah. Uh, mine's a little bit of a surprise as well. Okay. Um. I I, I like Cam Hart to be their most outstanding oh, because I, I and here's the reason I say that I I don't think teams are just going to throw at Benjamin Morrison a ton. Yeah, I think they're going to try to avoid him, and they're going to give Cam a lot of chances. If Cam can stay healthy for an entire season, I think by the end of the year, people are going to be talking about Cam Hart. And and my runner up is actually Riley Mills, okay. uh, as far as most outstanding. I just and now you could say Benjamin Morrison because he's so good has led to some of that other stuff, and you'd be very fair. But I just I have a feeling about Cam Hart this year, Vince. If if he can stay healthy, sure, and that's big. I think he's going to be outstanding. And that's, you know, you can see the ranking that I had, basically. Mm-hmm. And Cam Hart's on my list. How could I not have Cam Hart on my list? I, I You mean, are the president of the I, Cam Hart fan club. Card-carrying member, folks. Yes. And we have jackets, <laughs> all right? So there's no there's no doubt about that. Cam Hart was absolutely 100% on my list. I just think this team rises and will, will rise and fall defensively on the shoulders of J.D. Bertrand. And I know I'm going to get pushback on that, and I'm fine with that. I'm okay with that. Can I ask a question, Vince, of this just real quick? Because I want you to explain Are you looking at this as J.D. being the most valuable player on defense or most outstanding player on defense? I think And if you are going with the most outstanding, is it because you think his production is going to be insane or because you think he's just going to play at such a high level. So those would be my question. Yeah. Because like you know, I'm very high on J.D. Bertrand. Sure, sure, sure. But sure. I thought that was a bit of a, hmm, that's interesting. No, and that's fair. I, I just think that uh, you could make a case, obviously, for MVP, because I think he's the leader of that defense. That I would agree close. with wholeheartedly. It's if not we're close. talking MVP yeah. on defense, it's got to be your Mike Linebacker. Right. I mean, that's, and and he, with you on that. he exemplifies what a Mike Linebacker is, right? And I, there's no doubt about that. But I also think his production is going to take a step in the right direction. I think he's going to make plays when it matters the most. I, I really do. I, and I think yeah. people are going to be like, man, I can't believe I was dogging J.D. Bertrand for two years. He, This defense would be nowhere without him. Yeah. I think that's what's end, going to end up happening. Uh, because and here's, and here's one of the reasons why. I think Notre Dame's secondary – is going to be really, really good. And I'll include yeah. the safeties in that as well. I and, and, yeah. and starting at the corners, obviously, but then Xavier Watts and I, and I think Ramon Henderson and whoever else they put back there with them. Yeah, I think the secondary is going to be really, be really good. You may be the president of the uh, Cam Hart fan club, but you're you're the, 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 the treasury, the treasurer 
for uh, the Xavier Watts fan club. Oh, There's no doubt about that. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And so I think a lot of teams are going to be like, well, we can't throw against these guys. We're going to have to run the ball. And I think that's going to put JD in an opportunity to really make a lot of plays in the run game. And that's, you know, again, bring on the pushback, but I'm a huge JD Bertrand fan with where he is with his game right now. I think he's going to be a difference maker all year. And you know what? It's going to start week one. And I realize it's the option. I get that. But there was a lot of wringing of hands against Navy last year in the second half. The defense didn't play well. There's no doubt about it. One of the main reasons the defense didn't play well is J.D. Bertram was a scratch at the last second. And they kind of had to rethink how they were going to run their defense against Navy. And it didn't work great in the second half. Watch the difference with J.D. Bertram in the middle against this Navy offense. I'm telling you, it's going to be a big, big difference. Okay, I dig it. So, there you go. I like that we were different. I like it. Yeah. But I had Ben Morrison second. <laughs> so, yeah, I, and you had Cam Hart third. So, I was yeah. like, okay. Um, yeah. Interesting. <laughs> so I'm Can in I there. say this? If at the yeah. end of the year, if J.D. Bertrand is Notre Dame's most outstanding player by the end of the year, this is going to be one heck of a freaking defense. Because mm-hmm. here, here's my point to that, Vince. And you and I talked about this last week. J.D. Bertrand can't be that if the D line's not balling out. That, that's just right. a oh, fact. I don't, no I doubt. How good you are as a linebacker. I, yeah. I've pointed this out. Go watch the one game that Notre Dame in nineteen in, in two thousand and eight two thousand and twelve. Look at the one game that Notre Dame played a half a football without Lewis Nix. Manti Teo was the best linebacker Notre Dame had had in a long time, and and honestly was better over a longer period of time than even Jalen Smith or Jeremiah Usakoromoa because they had two great years. He had three great years. Right, that's why he's like number two all time, number two or three all time in tackles in his career. Right, right. But the one half of football where there was no Lewis Nix, which is against Pitt, Manti was not doing a whole lot because they were just sure. getting them, chopping them. So yep. J.D. can't have that type of 110 tackles, 14 tackles for loss, three or four sacks, eight pass breakups if the D-line's not dominant. Yep. Manti was phenomenal in 2012, but he was able to be phenomenal because of how good the defensive line was Stephon to it, Lewis Nix, Capron. Capron Lewis Moore and Danny Spawn were the two most underrated and underappreciated players from that 2012 defense. They were excellent that year, especially Cap. Yeah. And and so when you watch them, when you watch them, yes, Manti was phenomenal. He was their heart and soul of that team, but he could only be that because of the play of the defensive line. There's he had no Day on that team, Kona Schwenke, the yep. late Kona Schwenke, uh, Tony Springman, those guys gave good minutes. But man, when Lewis was not on that defensive line, when Stefan went out the next year against Pitt, you started to see those type of things. No name's like bad luck against Pitt back then on the defensive line. Lewis goes, he gets out the first half, and Stefan gets ejected the next year. So anyway, yes, so that, that's a great sign, Vince. That's yes. a great sign. If JD's putting up those numbers, it means Riley and Howard and Onye and Rubio. And, the and that's ends part of the reason big time playing big time you football. are 100% accurate because that's part of, the reasons I, part of the reason I went this route because I have a lot of faith in the depth of the defensive line and what they're going to yeah. be able to do. It doesn't matter how good you are at Mike Linebacker or any linebacker if you're trying to fend off guards and tackles all the time. They have to the, the defensive line has to eat up space to allow the linebackers to roam. If JD Bertrand can roam untouched, he's gonna be really, really good, folks. I'm telling you, keep an eye out. The defensive line is gonna do their job and they're going to allow these linebackers to to move and scrape and get downhill and make plays. And you're gonna also see how fast JD Bertrand is. 
folks. I'm, we've seen it with our own eyes at practice. We've seen it in games as well. I know some people like to block out the good stuff, but th- th- this man can move sideline to sideline. You're going to yeah. see him make some plays with his speed, and it's going to be fantastic. And I'm yeah. cutting those plays, and I'm going to be putting them on my profile or something just to <laughs> make sure everybody knows about it. But We'll it, certainly talk about it upon further reviews. But yeah, okay. <laughs> but anyway. You ready to move on to the next one, Vince? 100%. So we're going to do newcomers, top newcomers. Are we just doing one on offense, one on defense? Yeah, I mean, you can talk okay. about who your candidates are. But okay, I mean, I enough. think for me on offense, it's it's a, it's a pretty easy for me, honestly, at this point in time. I mean, as much as I love Rico Flores, it's hard for me to go anywhere. And when we talk newcomers, we're talking about new freshmen. We're talking about freshmen. So we should we maybe could have said like top freshmen. Uh, and, and we actually do the whole thing where we actually count freshmen who are actually freshmen. <laughs> not red shirt freshmen yeah. who are sophomores. Yeah. Uh, it's it's for me. It's it's Jaden Greathouse. And, yeah. and look, I, I love Rico. You know, I I wouldn't be shocked at all if we're seeing Jeremiah Love out there balling at some point in time. I won't be shocked if at some point in time we see Charles Jagasaw out there. Um, I we saw Cooper Flanagan running a little bit with the twos today because of some of the injuries at tight end. This is a really talented freshman class. I just think the best of the best is going to be Jaden Greathouse, just from an yeah. opportunity standpoint. But even just today, like. You know, he had a route today where he just really beat Thomas Harper off the ball. Thomas Harper's a good football player that was great in the Big 12 last year. Yeah. And he comes down with the catch and he's going down. And Thomas Harper has to literally make the best play I've ever seen that kid make to knock the ball out of his hands late. Like that's what it takes for you to not get beat by Jaden Greathouse. It's just a <laughs> phenomenal play, right? And and so uh, I'm going him. I think that for him, there's also going to be more of a rotation in the slot than there will be outside. So I could see it being Rico, you know, Rico get his chances. It, it could be Rico if there's an injury outside. That's where right. Rico could step in and maybe make more plays. But I just think right now Jaden Greathouse is the guy in best position to, to be yeah. that guy. for Notre Yep. Dame. He Look, he's – and you've said it before when we're at practice. I mean, he is an outstanding route runner. And not just as a freshman. It's He's an outstanding route runner, period. Yeah. And and he's only going to get better at that. I mean, his top ends are only going to get better than they are now. Yeah. He's not going to regress as a route runner most Exactly. Likely. He's only going to get better. And Chancey <laughs> Stuckey is just – I mean, the kid's going to be a sponge. Chancey Stuckey, like, you love kids like that that come in with just a great foundation, and then he's just going to tweak it and make it so much better. And so, yeah, I mean, I don't know how you could go with anybody else at, in this, at this particular time. I, I think that Jaden Greathouse, because he's going to get on the field. I mean – I have high expectations for Chris Tyree. He's obviously the starting slot and deservedly so. But Jaden Greathouse is going to get on the field a lot yeah. as a true freshman, and he's going to make yeah. plays. And that's where the that's where we talk about opportunity, You're right? It's going to take some probably some injuries early for Jeremiah Love to get that kind of volume, right? That's just the reality of it. The thing Absolutely. is, they have plenty of freshmen that could be that, right? I mean, it just that's where the oppor- the talent plus the opportunity is there right. more for for Jaden Greathouse than anybody else. And I think he's going to step up and take full advantage. Vince, I kind of messed with you a little bit on defense because I kind of changed on you. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, you did. Uh, okay. So I'll go ahead and do the, the defensive one first because I know your guys were the newcomers. Because if we were going to go newcomers, I think that's an easy one. It's Thomas Harper. 100%. Right? Like that's not even close for me. Right. It's Thomas Harper. Yep. Uh, that's an easy one. Let's go freshman, though. I think that's going to take a little bit more projection. It so, is. I think the most impressive, physically impressive freshman we've seen so far in fall camp has actually been Drake Bowen. I mean, he's just been a dude. 
mm-hmm. but I can't pick him to be the best freshman when he plays. He's the backup to the guy that we both think is going to be the team's most productive kind of linebacker. Right. So it would take some sort of injury for him to be that guy. Yeah. I really think Christian Gray is going to be hard to keep off the field this year, Vince. Sure. I really do. I just think it's going to be really hard to 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 keep him off. I, I could see Jaden Greathouse or Jaden Osbury step in at some point in time and making a ton of plays. I could see Drake Bowen if there's an injury. You know, Brennan Vernon and Bubakar have both shown some flashes. Don Schuler's impressed me of late. But, I mean, Christian Gray right now is probably going to play the most in first in the first couple games. But, man, he has been so good. And you saw there's a they put a clip out today from the Notre Dame practice Okay, where Rico went against Jake Christian Gray, and he just dominated Rico. And then turned – so he's it, – it, it actually was a great shot of it, Vince, because it was so when they it was a play going so the defense the offense was coming in on the first field, so okay. the first turf field, so the defensive field that makes more sense. The defensive field yep. they were coming into the end zone near the street. Oh, okay. And so I was on looking looking out at the I was on the in, in between the two fields. I was over there in the end zone, and the play okay. was on the other side. So I could see that Christian did it, but I couldn't see it as well as when they showed the clip. Christian rode Rico all the way out then turns back, finds the ball, reaches out, and sees it and breaks it up. Like, dude, that's a grown man play right there. Right, right. right? He's getting more and more comfortable, yes. too, because he looked a little little lost at the beginning of fall camp, but he has just gotten quickly, better and better and better. Quickly caught yeah, on. Yeah, because he was shaking off some of the rust because he missed half of spring practice. Sure, yeah. But absolutely. there's also going to be more opportunities for him this yeah. year as well. True. Because they do want to have a rotation at cornerback. Right. And and be, and he's played well enough to where I think they're much more comfortable having t- Clarence Lewis be more of a nickel slot guy with Thomas Harper to keep both of those guys fresh. Uh, so I think Christian Gray is going to be that guy, in my opinion. I tend to agree with you, but just for the sake of the fact that when I saw him in person, my mouth literally hit the turf. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to go with Brennan Vernon. And I realize there's a lot of dudes on the defensive line. I get it. They're, the depth there is crazy, but this this kid, if you saw him in person, you'd be like, there is no chance that this kid is a true freshman. There's just no chance. He looks like a grown man child. And he, he literally looks older in the face than Nana yeah. or Javante Jean-Baptiste. Well, and that dude's a sixth, those are fifth and sixth year yes. seniors. Yes. Brennan Vernon looks like he's a 29-year-old grizzled NFL vet just – Physically, Physically, you know what I mean. Like he's a and look, beard grown. I mean, he yeah, he's a bit he's a bit of a mess technically, and I get that. He's yeah. a true freshman. I'm not overly surprised by that. But from a physical standpoint, he's still pushing people around. I, I mean, he's just so strong. He's just he's put together. I, That's I, a nice I just, way of saying that, Vince. He's a bit of a mess, fun technically. <laughs> I mean, that's putting it kind. But, I, but to your point, though, Vince. To your point, I'm, yeah. I'm messing with you a little bit. Yeah, know, but to yeah. your point, when that gets coached up, right? Like I could see out. him being a second half of the season rotation guy and make making right. some plays. You know what I mean? And right. so I or agree, Vince. With... He could just play four games and take that's a red true. shirt, but but ball out in those four games. You're like, you're this right, dude. Was you're really good. 100%. Remember when Foskey did that in in, in his first year in 2019? Yeah. Really played in four games. But like in one of those games, he blocked a punt for a touchdown. Right. Remember right. that? Yes, in 2019, I do. Uh, yep. We're like, hey, look, this dude's going to be pretty freaking good. Yeah. <laughs> it's, he could be something like that, Vince. Yeah, I mean, so absolutely. I I'm absolutely. I, and I, I agree with you. Christian Gray would be my pick because I think he's going to see the field first. 
And I get that, but just for the fun of it, I, I'm going to go with Brennan Vernon just because of who he is, what he looks like, and the potential that he could possibly have. And look, if he can get on the field and be productive, that means his fundamentals have gotten markedly better, right? And that also means Coach Washington has coached him up. Right. And and that would be awesome to see, you know, overall yep. from a depth standpoint and all of it. So, yep. um, so I'm going to go with him just for fun. I dig it. Yeah, I dig it. So our next category is breakouts. And I don't know if you want to comment on exactly what our definition of yeah, breakouts breakout is. But... can be one of two things. It could be a yeah. guy who didn't play a ton last year that becomes a very valuable part of the offense. Doesn't even have to be like the leading receiver. It doesn't even he has to go be a breakout to be an All-American. Just a guy who maybe didn't do much who becomes a very important part of your offense, right, or yeah. defense. It could be a guy that was a starter and a good player that becomes a great player. Yeah. It can be one of those two things. And, yep. uh, you know, so it can be a lot of different things, Vince. And we're actually we're actually on the same page on these predictions. Yeah, okay. these are ones that we we have in, we have in store. So, yeah. you want to start with offense? Let's yeah, that's fine. Yeah, we can definitely start with offense. Uh, I, I think – I mean, if we're just looking from a straight-up production standpoint, right, Tobias Merriweather had one catch for one touchdown last year. And, I th- <laughs> I mean, he can have 10 catches, and it's like he had 10 times. Speaking <laughs> <laughs> of breakout, how many other freshmen had 10 times the production right. last year? <laughs> right. I mean, so That's just let this By the way, we think he's going to have a few more than 10 catches. Yes. I, look, I think he's going to, I think he's going to lead the team in yards uh, at the end of the day. I don't, I think, I think uh, Thomas is going to lead the, the team in, in catches, but I think Tobias has the potential to lead the team in yards uh, when it's all said and done, just taking the, the top off the defense, you know, and all these different things. I, I just think Tobias, if, if we think that this offense is going to be elite, and and I think this offense has the opportunity to be elite. Tobias has to be elite. I, I that's the the be all end all for me. I think I, I think I know what I'm going to get from from Thomas. I think I know what I'm going to get from Tyree. I do. I think I know what I'm going to get from Colsey. I think I know what I'm going to get from Great House. I don't if, think we know what we're going to get from Colsey. That's part of the problem. Well, unless I, I'm saying he's going to be an inconsistent player, but I get your point. I'm saying I know what we're going to get from him that he's going to be inconsistent. Like that, I that's kind you. of where I'm at with that. But um, I just hope he's a gamer. That's what I'm hoping sure, the issue is. Absolutely. Because, hey, hey, go out and catch some yeah. third downs, you know, help move the chains, you know, kind of the stuff that he was doing at times last year. I'd be fine with that. But Tobias needs to be a dude. Like if this offense is going to be anywhere close to elite, Tobias has to be a dude. And I think he's going to break out and be that dude at the end of the day. I don't think the only thing I push back on is I don't think they need him to be elite to be great this year. I don't think they need, I don't think they need any receiver necessarily to be elite. They just need him as a whole to be pretty good because I think they're going to be elite at quarterback elite on the, you know, at certain parts of the offensive line, they're going to have a great run game. I just, I don't need necessarily anyone to be elite, just be really good across the board. But I, but I, but I do think they need him to be a, a, a playmaker. He has to be a weapon. Right. I mean, yes. Yeah, now yeah. that could be mean 400 catches for 750 yards. It could mean something like that, right? Sure. Where he catches 40 catches, 750 yards. Vince, that's a little under 20 a catch, right? I'm trying to do the math in my head and that's a little bit too big of a math problem for me to be doing during the show, but that's, <laughs> that's 18.8 yards per catch. And he, he does that for six or seven touchdowns. That's playmaker in this offense. 
right? Because you said you're going to have the tight ends are going to produce, right? Sure. Uh, I contemplated putting Holden Stace in my breakout player, to be completely honest oh, with you. I, sure. I thought about him. Well, he's already broken out for me. Like, I I did not anticipate him. I think he's probably the number one tight end right now. Yeah, but he's got a breakout on Saturday. For sure, yeah. Right. But, like, he has he has surprised me, but then now he's been consistent about it in right. practice. Still right. got to do it in a game. Yeah. But I thought about having him there. I did think about Jadarian Price, who's another guy you considered. I just don't know if the opportunities are going to be there with how sure. good everyone else is. I think a guy that could be considered a breakout that we're not talking enough about is Jabron Payne. Yeah. I mean, I could he see Jabron Payne emerging as that number too. two back that has five or 600. A guy had two carries for five yards last year. I could right. see him being a 500 plus yard rusher this year uh, if the opportunity is there. And and I'll say this: if if God forbid something were to happen, Audric Estime and Jabron Payne's your starting running back for ten plus games this year, he's gonna have a thousand yards. Yeah, in my opinion. I mean, he or he'll have a shot. He could look a lot like maybe what Audric did last year. You know, nine hundred and eight hundred for your top two backs. But I, I think he could be a guy. We could be talking about Rocco maybe at guard being that guy. We could talk about Blake Fisher if he's able to like just become an elite all you know type sure. of guy. At the end of the day, my prediction is I. I and I don't really care about what people say in practice. I look, I watched them in practice today, and I watched them beat Benjamin Morrison pretty, pretty soundly. They the next route that Benjamin beat him on, Benjamin read it really well. It was a quick end cut, and he read it perfectly. There's not a lot a receiver can do against it. When when a, when a DB reads a quick route, yeah, it it's it's over. But I watched shut him it down. Yeah, yeah, I watched him compete for against Benjamin to not like he knocked that ball down because Benjamin should have picked it off. But Tobias knocked it down, and he he got his little back. But he beat him pretty consistently on the first one. And and so, you know, I just – I think having to go against Cam Hart and yeah. Benjamin Morrison every single day yep. Yep. is going to make him so ready for the season. I mean, it's going to be – until week three at the earliest that he places that he plays against anyone in their in the same universe as those two guys. Mm-hmm. NC State's got a couple good corners. Ohio State's got some good corners. He's going to play some guys, but he will not play a cornerback tandem, in my opinion, as good as the one he's just spent the last month battling against. Absolutely. So I actually, it's why I have a high expectations for Tobias. But there's several candidates we could go with. But that's, I mean, to me, that was a no brainer. Defensively, Vince, it's the same thing. <laughs> it's Xavier Watts. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's a that's a no-brainer for me. Uh, yep. Look, there are plenty of guys we could talk about. I mean, I think if if we're going to talk perception, if J.D. Bertrand has the season you're talking about, he will be a national breakout. Sure. But, I, you know, we've already had him in another category, and I think you and I think he was – his breakout to me was the second half of last season right. for me. When you just look at his production, the volume of his production over the, a six-game period, the way he played – He's already kind of had a breakout, even though it wasn't a season-long breakout. Sure. It was a – we saw him do it enough week after week after week after week in the last half of the season to say, okay, he's already broken out for me a little bit. But the national perception of him will change. Exactly. Right? Absolutely. But if I'm just looking at, at who's the breakout that's going to impact this football team, it's hard for me to go anywhere but Xavier Watts. I mean, I contemplated Jordan Patelho because if – you know, if, if he can continue what he did the second half of last sure. season, I thought about Riley Mills in this category too. You know, Riley Mills, there's a lot of guys we could look at, Vince, but I, I think Xavier Watts is the guy I'm going with. I, I said it was a no-brainer, and then I immediately talked myself out of saying it was a no-brainer. But, <laughs> I mean, Jordan Patelho and, and Riley Mills, I'll say this. I'm picking Xavier Watts. I hope it's one of the two linemen. That's where I'm at. Okay. I hope it's one of those two offensive linemen or one of the defensive linemen because if they're the breakouts this season, this team's going to be really, really flipping good. 
Because you need the and, defensive line to be yeah. good, especially if I'm if I'm predicting the JD Bertrand is going to be the top performer on defense. You know, all of those different things. They have to be good. And you know, I have neglected the defensive line in a lot of these categories. To be honest with you, I'm just confident in the depth, and I don't care who breaks out down there. Uh, somebody's going to. I, I just don't know who it's going to be. To be honest with you, I I had uh, you know Xavier Watts was obviously my number one. Jason Onye was was one of my one of the people that I, I considered Batelho was a guy that I considered, even though I didn't write it down, you know, the, all of those guys are, are guys that I consider, but Xavier Watts, I think I was looking at it from, a, from a point of, okay, he started last year. Did he, he didn't even start the whole year. Did he, or did he start the whole year, Brian? Who Xavier Watts? Yeah. Uh, last three or four games. Okay, that's what I thought. Okay, yeah, because Brandon so, Joseph was primarily out there with right. DJ Brown most. That's of the right. Year. That's yeah. right. So, so he started last year, but I think he kind of flew under the radar a little bit. Like, I think he is going to break out nationally. I, I, I think we've talked about him enough that the Notre Dame fans know about Xavier Watts and what he brings to the table because we we talked about him a bunch. You know what I mean? But nationally, nobody knows who zero on defense is. They don't. They're going to. I, I I firmly believe Xavier Watts is going to be taking a step because teams are going to know what Notre Dame has on the outside and they're going to try to pick on the safeties. And Xavier Watts is going to make them pay. I'm telling you, yeah. he's going to make them pay and he's going to make a name for himself. And uh, I'm going to really enjoy it. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. 
Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.